everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Women's Sports Matter podcast. My name is Gianna Valcastro, and I am your host. Like I said last week, we are doing another interview. I just keep getting more people on the show, and I'm glad I don't have to sit around in my office talking to myself for 40 minutes, because that sucks. <laughs> but anyway, we have a great, great guest on the show. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, thank you for having me on. I am Tony Breidinger. Um, and yeah, I'm really excited to be here and talking with you. So we were talking before we started going, um, you're the youngest person on the show, um, which is like super cool. Finally talking to someone, you know, that kind of grew up in the same era. Do you ever get questions about like what it was grow up, what it was like to grow up in the, the 1990s or late 1990s, um, you know, being a really young driver? Um, I feel like with racing, there's a mix of ages, like in my series in particular, we have some guys that are older and they've been around for a while. And then we also have some people that are even younger than I am. So, since, so sometimes I feel like I'm the old person, um, which is funny because I know I'm like still young, but I feel like there's, I feel like racing, the drivers are getting younger and younger and younger. So I always kind of feel like an old person sometimes. Um, but yeah, I feel like we have like a good mix of ages in the sport for sure. So how did you uh, get into the wonderful world of racing? Um, So I started racing in go-karts when I was nine. So I was like 12 years ago. Um, And it was really just for fun. I tried different sports. It was just kind of, I was at the age where I was trying like all these sports, like soccer, gymnastics, like pretty much everything, like karate. Um, And my dad was like, hey, like, how about we just try go-karting for fun? Um, And I really don't think he was expecting me to like it. Um, and I did it with my sister too. So I think he was just expecting us to be like, oh yeah, this was cool. Like next thing, kind of like move on from it. Like we did with everything else, but we both fell in love with racing and stuck with it. And um, we ended up just traveling all over the country for go-kart races. And at a young age, I just knew that I wanted to be a race car driver. So what was the, the first moment where you realized when you were driving, like, this is something that I can do for a while? Um, I would say like my first emotions in a go-kart ever, I think I was just like, what am I doing right now? It was like my first time using a gas pedal and a brakes pedal and a steering wheel. Um, so like my first few laps in a go-kart, I was like, what did I get myself into? And then after like the first five laps, you know, I warmed up to it a bit and I was like, wait, this is fun. Like nobody's telling me what to do. I can turn when I want, get on the gas when I want. And I feel like it was just kind of my first kind of taste of freedom and independence in a way. Um, Cause once you're like in a go-kart, you're just out there. Obviously you have like competitors, but you're just kind of like on your own, just doing your own thing. Um, so I think I also just loved that when I was a kid too. Do, do people ever ask you about like IRL driving? Like, are you a good driver on regular roads or anything like that? Um, so I actually was a driving instructor for a little bit last year. Um, so I like to think I was a good driver and for me, like driving safely is important, even though, you know, like I'm a race car driver, I don't try to seem like that when I'm like actually driving a car on the roads. Um, I try to keep it pretty safe. I've had friends be like, oh, you don't seem like you're a race car driver by me driving. I'm like, good. It's not, it's not my goal when you're in my car on the street. Um, so yeah, I feel like I try to keep it pretty safe, follow the rules, not speed too much or anything. Yeah, safety while driving is super important. There's all those campaigns about not texting and driving or Mm -hmm. drive and drink, all that, all that stuff. Um, So I want to ask you about, you know, you grew up in California. I feel like when 
when we talk about like a lot of athletes, where do they usually come from? California, Massachusetts, all that stuff. Did you feel like growing up in California helped you, you know, kind of realize what you wanted to do, more opportunities there, stuff like that? Yeah, I love California. California, I was born and raised there. It's my favorite state. Um, I don't get to go back there too much just because, you know, NASCAR is not super big in California. It's more of kind of like a Southeast thing, really big in North Carolina, all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, no, I feel like, you know, where I grew up, there was just so much diversity in people and what you can do and the activities. Um, so I definitely feel like I kind of got a taste of everything out there and it kind of helped me narrow things down a little bit quicker. Yeah, I'm in Illinois. So I'm living the life. Oh, nice. <laughs> I'm in the Chicago, <laughs> Chicago suburbs. So, you know. Oh, nice. You're near a city. Yeah, huh? nice. I said you're near a city. Not too bad. I'm like such a city person. I like being close to the city and all that. For me, I'm like, Charlotte's a city, but it's such a small city. And I'm just used to being in San Francisco. Do you ever go to any like sporting events in Charlotte or? Um, so before COVID, I started going to the basketball games and then I went to a football game, the Panthers one time. Um, I'm just like not a football person, um, but I loved the basketball games and definitely once COVID chills out, um, I definitely want to go back to those. Yeah, they're bringing soccer in there for the MLS. Um, yeah, that'll be cool. I don't know why they were bringing one there. There's probably a lot of other cities that can need a team right now, but I mean, I'm, I, I'm not going to bore you with all my soccer stuff. <laughs> all good, all good. Soccer is a, a sport that I used to really, really hate, and now I've just grown to love it somehow, but baseball was my first, like, true love sport that I really love the most. Um, so in terms of racing, is that something that, you know, once you did it, it was like, this is great, nothing ever again? Yeah, I mean, you know, I tried soccer. My sister, I have twin sister Annie, she was good at soccer and I was pretty terrible. Like if the ball was coming at me, I would actually run the other way. It was just, it wasn't my vibe. I didn't like it. And my parents were like, wow, she's terrible. We need to find her something else. And that's kind of why my dad got me in go-karting because he's like, okay, you suck at soccer. Uh, what else can you do? Um, and then once I did go-karting, I think it was just something that I naturally felt like I was good at and kind of had like skills for in a way. Um, obviously when I went out there, I wasn't like fastest kid on the track. Um, but definitely when I was out there, I just kind of felt like it came to me a little more naturally than like, let's say like soccer or something like that. Um, so no, I definitely loved it. And as soon as I got into racing, all my other hobbies and everything like that kind of just went away just because I put all my focus into go-kart racing. So for people that have no clue about racing, like me, mm -hmm. what are some <laughs> of the basic stuff that people should know? Yeah, so I mean, there's so many different forms of motorsports. Um, for me, like I'm trying to go up the NASCAR ladder system. So that's one form of motorsports. There's also IndyCar, which is kind of like an open wheel car. I would probably explain it as the American version of Formula One in a way. Um, and then obviously there's Formula One, which I think is probably the most known. And there's so many different types of motorsports like beyond that too. Um, but yeah, I would say NASCAR and Formula One are probably the two biggest forms of motorsports. Um, and yeah, that's kind of, I feel like once you kind of find like your type of motorsports that you're the most into, then you can kind of like get into it a little bit, but it's funny, like people who love F1, they probably hate NASCAR and like vice versa and all that kind of stuff. So even though it's like racing, they all have very different vibes. It's funny. 
So you recently got a partnership with Triller. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I'm really excited with my partnership with Triller because, you know, I feel like I'm super into social media and Triller has a great platform to share my social media with a bunch of fans. And I feel like it just helps you grow um, a community, community and a fan base. And for me, I love to use social media to reach, reach a wide audience. And I feel like Triller helps me with that. Um, and yeah, no, the app's been great. And one thing I love about Triller, which I feel like we both kind of, like my biggest thing is just be yourself. And I feel like Triller stands for that, represents that. When you get on the app, I feel like everybody's just themselves on the app, not trying to be anybody or trying to copy somebody. I feel like everybody's just creative and just kind of having a good time on the app. Um, So yeah, I'm really excited about partnering with Triller. When did you find out about um, the partnership? How long have you been um, talking with them and getting everything together? Yeah, so I talked to Triller a while back when we were talking about different options for this season. And then I kind of changed my plans this season a little bit. I switched manufacturers, I switched teams, kind of switched my schedule around. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was kind of changing things up internally, trying to figure out my life. And then once I had all that set, I was like, hey, like, you know, like, let's make this work. And they got on board for my first race with um, Toyota and my new team, which was really exciting. Um, So yeah, I think it's a great partnership. And I think, you know, we can make some really cool content together. So you have some upcoming races. I'm read a little about it um I know you're going to come to Springfield Illinois yes yes soon yeah you want to talk about that yeah so my next race is in Springfield Illinois I haven't been there before um but it's a dirt race which I'm really not familiar with so I'm going to do some dirt testing before that because um that's kind of another type of motorsports is there's pavement and there's dirt and it's funny because they're kind of the opposite in how you're going to drive the race car um so yeah I'll be doing my first stock car dirt race out there so that should be an exciting one yeah I've never been to Springfield either always wanted to go it's a nice (laughs) two-hour drive (laughs) I think it should be fun because there's you know a fairground so even if you're like oh this race is boring you can go to the fair get some cotton candy and all that stuff (laughs) I've never been to the Illinois State Fair I'm surprised my family's never like thought of going um maybe no maybe this is your year to go (laughs) maybe it is (laughs) I'll do some uh, live tweeting of the race. I tried asking my mom earlier, um, like, can I go down to Springfield for I'm doing a fellowship for a political candidate and um, there's going to be an event in Springfield. And I was like, can I go? And she goes, no, not by yourself. And I was like, it's two hours away. Like, maybe I'll get my whole family to go to see that race. Huh? Is it a sketched area? It's just far. You're driving south. I'm like, I feel you. we're I in our own little bubble here in the burbs, yeah. drive through cornfields and construction. Oh, construction here is the absolute worst. Um, oh God. All the roads, especially going down that way. We just, we just went to Iowa for our cousin's wedding and to get there, we have to go all the, through the, all this construction and whatever. There's a lot of construction in Utica, which is where um, we have a state park. That's like on the way there. It's no, no construction for me. I, I, I don't know. I feel that. (laughs) So you have, um, you know, done a lot of firsts in terms of, you know, breaking through the NASCAR, uh, system, which so cool, by the way, always love seeing, um, 
people to be the first to do something even though it is 2021 you expect like there would be all these different types of people to be doing all this stuff it's not as diverse as we would like to believe um can I get your thoughts on that yeah I feel like you know NASCAR is a white male dominated sport um, that's kind of the stereotype with it, and I don't really think that stereotype's incorrect. It is a white male-dominated sport, and I do feel like, you know, we are getting more diversity. NASCAR has a Drive for Diversity program, um, and there's a bunch of kids um, coming up through the ranks in that program, which is really exciting to see, um, but I think definitely, you know, more things need to be done, and I think the biggest thing is representation, um, and for me, if I can even, if me just even being there, showing up to the race, doing it helps pave the way and helps bring other females up to the sport, then that's like amazing to me if I can even just do that when I, just by showing up. Um, but definitely for me, I just, I feel like it's hard to find ways to kind of solve the problem of the lack of diversity in the sport. You know, I feel like it's a big topic um, and there's so many different ways to go about it. So for me, I feel like representation um, is kind of one way that I think will help. I've seen a lot of videos, um, especially with the Olympics taking place right now, where these, there's these little kids of all backgrounds, all races, mm -hmm. watching these athletes compete, and they're sitting there like, oh my god, that person looks like me. I can do yeah. that too. It's just mm -hmm. such a beautiful thing where people can, can look at you and be like, that person looks just like me. I can also do this thing. Have you um, had any events with kids or just like in general talking about you know diversity within the sport or just talking about females being in the sport um yeah I feel like you know with COVID I feel like it's been hard to have that interaction with fans really um but all the time I'll get messages on my social media platform just asking how they can get into the sport and how much I inspire them just wondering like what steps they can take um so for me I try to read my DMs as much as I can and reach out to people um, and just have conversations like that with them and give them that motivation to just go out there and do it. Cause I feel like that's the hardest thing is just to go and just do it, get started. I feel like everyone's kind of their own worst enemy and you kind of set barriers in your own mind. And they're like, you know, they're non-existent. You don't like have any barriers like in front of you, but like they're mental barriers. And I feel like that can be really hard to break through. And um, if me just sending a few messages to somebody can help that, then I just love doing that. Can I ask you about your thoughts about what happened with NASCAR last year? I believe it was last year. I don't know what time is anymore, especially with yeah. COVID. <laughs> Same. The whole, uh, Confederate flag ordeal yeah. and a noose being found yeah. in a one driver's room. I just, I want to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, um, so NASCAR banned the Confederate flag last year, um, which obviously I think is the right move to do, um, but some fans were upset about that and just, you know, had some crazy intense reactions about it. Um, but, you know, I think NASCAR is trying to move in the direction to help bring other fans into the sport and by doing that you know I think removing the confederate flag which offends many people um, was important to do um, so I feel like NASCAR is trying to do their part in diversifying the sport um, but it's hard and I feel like you know people just need to be 
open to it and have open ears and not be so closed-minded. I think that's like a really big thing. Um, just like listening to other people and how, you know, certain actions or certain words make other people feel. I feel like that's kind of, you know, a big thing and just being, you know, a good person. Um, but yeah, so that was kind of a big controversy in the sport. And then the situation with Bubba Wallace was also very big, made a lot of headlines. Um, but Bubba's doing great. I feel like, you know, he's really helping you know, represent himself in the sport and bringing more um, diversity to the sport and bringing, you know, he even brought new sponsors into the sport too, which was really exciting. Um, so I feel like he's doing a great job and just, you know, helping the sport just become more diverse. I really believe that that flag never belonged in there. I didn't even understand why some states would continue to fly it or include it in part of their state flag. It's just like they lost it was a long time ago. Move yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Think. I'm like, you guys lost. Like, like we learned what? this in history class growing up. <laughs> yeah. Like, they lost. Deal with it. Move on. Yeah, exactly. It was kind of like a, why is this even an issue today? We should know that yeah. it's not a good thing to, to show. Yeah, like, take the L, move on, learn some respect. <laughs> <laughs> take the L. I want to ask you, when it is race day, how do you prepare? Uh, I feel like I do a lot of things to prepare. Um, maybe some things that people don't realize. I think racing is one of those sports that people don't think takes a lot of physical um, ability to do. But it's really hard to just even turn the race cars. I mean, they're big, they're heavy. You're in there for two plus hours and it's hot. It gets up to it's usually like, I think around maybe 60 degrees hotter in the race car than is outside. So, you know, if it's 80 degrees out that day, that's going to be pretty hot in the race car. Um, so there's a lot of things that you kind of have to prepare for. So for me, I go to a trainer every day. We do a lot of cardio strength, um, not just upper body strength. Like the last race, my legs got sore after like the next day. Um, so it's really kind of like a full body workout. It's kind of crazy. And um, we do, you know, heat training. So I'll do some training in the sauna. We do hand-eye coordination, which is really big in racing. And also just like reaction training because you need to be able to react fast when your heart rate's up and when you're already fatigued. Um, so we'll work on that a bunch too. So there's a lot of different aspects that go into preparing for a race day. Um, but yeah, I feel like that's one thing that I feel like people should talk about a little bit more because I think it kind of catches some people off guard. I had no idea about any of that until yeah. you just said it right now. It's more intense than it looks. I feel like it's because people are watching from the outside. So you don't see that we're like suffering in the race cars and like struggling in there and like working hard and getting tired. Um, but yeah, I feel like it's just one of those things that looks a lot easier. It's not like driving your car down the highway. And I feel like it's just people, that's the one thing they relate it to. Like, oh, I drive my car to work every day. Like, what are you talking about? But it's different, I promise. <laughs> I like thank you for talking about that because I, I really <laughs> have no clue it really is that hot in there oh yeah it gets like the amount I sweat is honestly disgusting and I'll be you know chugging Pedialyte and Gatorade you know leading up to the race and on race day and I'll still need like an IV the next day when it's like really hot out it's pretty it's pretty intense in there <laughs> wow yeah. oh okay Yes. <laughs> Jeez. Well, that is that is very interesting to know. Well, for all the people who are saying it's like driving in your car, it's not. 
Take no. note, folks. Yep. <laughs> Do you have a race day playlist? Um, honestly, I feel like I never really have time to listen to music on race day. I feel like, I mean, if I like really try to make time, sure. But for me, the best way for me to relax is to kind of talk to other people. I feel like that kind of calls my nerves. Otherwise, I'll just get in my own head too much. Um, I feel like I hype myself up <laughs> enough and I sometimes make it to the point where I get anxious or I start overthinking things. So for me, sometimes just not thinking about it and just having casual conversations, not about racing on race day, just kind of keeps the nerves down for me. So take me through what happens before the race starts. Obviously you get in your car. What yes. happens after that? Yep, we'll do driver introductions. You get in your car. Um, there's a process once I get in there, I get in and then I'll put my Hans device on, which basically um, helps prevent concussions and whiplash and all that kind of stuff. Um, so basically it helps kind of keep your neck in place. So you can't really move your head when you're in the race car either, which is kind of annoying sometimes. Um, but yeah, so you get in the seat, you put on your Hans and then I do my belts and you have, some people have like different belts, but basically you have a belt Belt's like going across you, going up and down. So you're just really in there. It's not like a car seat belt. You're just really in that seat. Um, and then once I have my belts on, I'll put my helmet on, hook it up to my Hans device, hook up my radios. That's important. Um, you make sure your radios are working so you can communicate to your team and they can communicate to you. Um, but yeah, it's kind of everything that you have to put on once you're in the race car, obviously gloves and all that kind of stuff. And then um, we wait for the call to start our engines. We do that. We get going. How many times do you uh, have to take a pit stop during a race? Um, kind of depends. So the series that I'm in, they limit the amount of pit stops that somebody could really make and how many tires you can take. Because if everybody's just taking as many tires as they want, then I feel like that wouldn't obviously be fair because the teams that could afford a lot of tires, well, there's kind of like an imbalance there. Um, so I think we make about, depending on the race, like two or three pit stops. Um, so yeah, unless something goes really wrong and you have to make more, but ideally like three pit stops. And does that, does that slow you down at all? Like, again, I know nothing about racing yeah. at all, so. Yeah, so definitely when you're in these longer races, strategy comes into play. You can be the fastest car out there, but if your crew chief has bad strategy or you guys just make the wrong move strategy-wise, then you'll be out of the running for the win. Um, so definitely strategy comes into play and you wanna try to pit under yellows or like cautions, not when everybody's going. Cause then, you know, if everyone, usually most people pit under caution. So you kind of want to pit when everybody's kind of pitting, but um, that's kind of like the crew chief's job. I don't do the strategy. So I'm like, okay. I just like listen to when they tell me to come in and pit. <laughs> so how did you get your team together? Is there like a whole hiring process um, so basically teams already together for me for the most part. And it's kind of like the drivers that kind of rotate through teams or like go to a team. Um, but usually the team is just already together and the driver kind of gets chosen. Yeah. And you're just like, it's my turn to be here. Yeah. Hello, I'm here. <laughs> but yeah, I think definitely you want to make sure you're with a team that's a good fit. Um, Cause I've been on really great teams before that have been successful, but you know, with me being on the team, like we're not successful just because it's not a great match. Like you want to make sure you vibe with the team and you can feel like you can communicate really well with them and just all get along. Um, I feel like that's a really big thing is just like good chemistry with your crew members. And so with the car that you drive, 
um what kind of car is it yeah so this year um i'm in nascar's arca series and i drive a toyota camry um but it's not like a toyota camry on the road um basically it's really just like the body style we all have the same engines in there um so if you see a chevy on the track and a ford on the track and a toyota on the track in our series we all have the same engine in there um so it's really just kind of like the body style that's different so is it your first year in arca um, so I made my debut in the Arca series in 2018, and I would have loved to run an entire season back then and do more races, um, but I really just didn't have the funding for it. So this year I finally got some support and some funding, which I'm really grateful for. Um, Triller hopped on board, Hair Club, Free People Movement, um, and thanks to them, I'm able to go racing in the Arca series again. Um, so I'm really excited for the opportunity. So I know that it's a, a feeder league to get into hmm. NASCAR. What is the whole process of, uh, do you have to qualify? Do you have to finish in a certain spot to get put into NASCAR racing? Yeah, so it definitely takes a certain amount of experience. Um, that's kind of NASCAR's call. They have um, people that kind of make that decision if you're ready to move up to the next level or not. Um, so for me, basically, I had to do a test at Daytona earlier this year to see if I can qualify um, to actually race at Daytona. Um, and I did. So I made my debut at Daytona this year. And yeah, basically NASCAR kind of makes that call and it really just takes, you know, experience is like the biggest thing to move up through the levels, but also obviously funding. Um, the more you move up and the closer you get to the top level, which is the cup series, the more expensive it gets. Um, and honestly, each leap, it's like a good chunk more expensive. Um, so yeah, it definitely takes, you know, funding, but also experience and it's kind of NASCAR's call whether somebody can move up or not. That funding part, again, I didn't know that was a thing. Did not mm -hmm. really think about the expenses of racing. I know with like people my yeah. age, they have like AU, AAU sports that they do it, like the club teams that I know that's expensive. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that this whole racing thing is a lot more expensive than basketball <laughs> leagues. Yeah, um, racing is a play to is a pay to play sport. So you need funding to go racing and to get that experience and to get better. You can't get on the track unless you pay for it. So it's kind of like this cycle where it's like, you know, the good drivers get a lot of funding and get, you know, a lot of um, press and media and all that kind of stuff. But if you don't have that funding, you can't really get to that point. So it's kind of like a hard cycle to break. And I also feel like um, us female drivers can really relate to the female athletes who feel like they're underfunded. I feel like, you know, some girl drivers, um, a lot of us struggle with getting funding and getting that support, especially from manufacturers and bigger companies. Um, so yeah, I feel like that's kind of probably one of the biggest struggles for me personally. And I feel like a lot of other female drivers can relate. I saw that you were on uh, Good Morning America recently. What was that yes. experience like? Yeah, that was really great. You know, being on Good Morning America, obviously a dream come true. We also did the Today Show this year and Ellen. Um, and it's crazy. I feel like I say that so casually, but um, it's really amazing to be on there and that people even care about my story and like want to hear what I'm doing. Because um, for me, it's normal. I've been racing ever since I was nine. Um, and I never really realized anybody would, um, I guess, like care about my story and really want to hear it. So it's really cool that um, people kind of gravitated towards it this year. Have you gotten a lot of messages after that all happened? A lot of people reaching out uh, on social media? 
Yeah, I know definitely. I feel like I've really grown my fan base a lot this year. I think last year, maybe I had like 15,000 followers on Instagram. Um, so we've definitely grown a lot. So it's been really amazing the support that I received for sure. So besides the race in Springfield coming up, what do you have after that? So after Springfield, I have another dirt race, um, which will be interesting. So hopefully Springfield goes well, and then I can go into the next one with confidence. Uh, but I feel good about them. I honestly have no idea what to expect just because it'll be my first dirt race in these cars. Um, but I think it'll be fun. And then basically after those dirt races, I'm going to Kansas to do a race out there. Um, it's kind of like a bit of a bigger track. It's a mile and a half. Um, and then my last race of the season will be in Phoenix. Gotta love Arizona. Never been there. Always wanted to go. Phoenix is oh, yeah, really pretty, it's though. amazing. Yeah. Now Arizona is really pretty. I feel like there's no really other state like it for sure. Definitely recommend it. Have you made um, any good friends from racing over the years that you still keep in contact with or uh, talk to regularly? Um, yes and no. I feel like growing up, my dad used to be like, you're not at the racetrack to make friends. <laughs> so he used to say that to me a lot. So um, I feel like I kind of have that mindset. Like I'm not there to make friends. I'm not there to be your buddy. I'm there to race you and to beat you. But um, you know, I feel like having a good relationship with your teammates is really important. Um, and for me, I try to, you know, obviously be friends with other female drivers and support them. Um, cause I feel like it can get kind of lonely out here just being, um, in a male dominated sport and being like out here where all like the racing is and the teams are, it's kind of hard to like really get included and stuff. Um, so for me, I usually just kind of gravitate more towards the female drivers. What advice would you give to your younger self? Um, I would say there's a lot of things that I would like to tell my younger self. Um, I would honestly say the biggest thing is kind of like it's all in your head. Like those boundaries that you feel like you have, it's all in your head. It's all mental. You're your own worst enemy. Um, I feel like that's kind of the biggest thing. I feel like I was always so in my head when I was younger, would get insecure about stuff, get self-conscious, you know, lacked a lot of confidence. Um, so I think that's kind of like the biggest thing. It's all in your head. You're your own worst enemy. Um, so yeah, it's one of the few things that I like to tell my younger self. <laughs> and what would you say to uh, little kids that want to be just like you and race? Um, I would say to just do it and to get started. That's the hardest thing is to get started and really put yourself out there and just go for it. Just, you know, taking that first step is really the hardest. Um, but my recommendation is just, you know, if you want to start racing, get in whatever you can get, obviously, like make sure it's at like an actual racetrack and everything. Don't just be like, I'm going to drive my mom's van. Um, but you know, if that's a go-kart or if that's a quarter midget or some other type of form of racing, just get in it and start doing laps. Um, and it doesn't even have to be, you know, the best piece of equipment out there. You don't have to compare yourself to other drivers that might have more funding or money or better equipment to you. As long as you're out there doing laps, making yourself a better driver, um, then that's all you need to do. I got some lightning round questions for you. Yeah, uh, if you're it. reading a book right now, or if you've read a book in the past, what would you recommend for people to read? it's been a minute since I read a book I started one I'm more of an audiobook person I don't like to just like look at a bunch of pages and read um but actually let me look at my phone because it was really good it was from a tennis player 
You might even know what I'm talking about, but it's a really great book. I have it on Audible. Oh, it's called Open by Andre Agassi. I don't know if you know who that Never is, but he's it. a tennis player. Um, it's a really great book. I've heard, I haven't finished it yet. I'm like halfway through, um, but it's very cool. It's kind of like about his life story in a way. It's very interesting. What's your favorite food to eat on game day or race day? Or just in general, honestly. Um, honestly, I would say my favorite food in general is probably my mom and grandma both make really great Lebanese food. Um, they have so much great dishes that they make. And I feel like out here in North Carolina, can't get food like that out here. Um, but definitely not race day food for me. It's kind of hard to eat right before a race. Uh, I'd say like usually I just like to eat like a big breakfast and kind of just snack throughout the day, depending on how my nerves are. Um, but usually I try to eat some protein and get some carbs in there. Um, yeah, for breakfast and then kind of keep it light. And then after the race, after the race, I kind of have like a cheat meal. I like to go to cookout. <laughs> What's a favorite band that you're listening to right now? Um, I would say my favorite artist would be... I love The Weeknd. He's probably like, I love most of his songs. Travis Scott is great. That's really basic of me to say, but <laughs> um, yeah, The Weeknd, Travis Scott. Um, I also love BB Rexa. My sister loves The Weeknd, plays his songs all the time. He's uh, good. So. I love him. <laughs> if you were an Olympian, what sport would you compete in and why? Ooh, honestly, I think I would love to do, I'm not saying I'd be good at this, but gymnastics I feel like is really, really impressive. I love watching gymnastics. Um, and I just like it cause it's you and your body. It's not like you have like a team. I think I like more like independent sports that I could just be like, okay, I'm gonna go work on this by myself and hustle. And finally, if you could live in any country in the world, where would it be and why? Um, this is a tough question. So because of racing and NASCAR and all that, I'm just, I would say America, just cause I can't pursue, you know, this career in a different country. Um, but if I had another choice, I have a lot of family in Europe, um, which I think would be another great option for racing and pursue that Formula One route. Um, but yeah, those are kind of more like dependent on like racing. That's why I'm choosing them. <laughs> okay. But what if you weren't racing? Like if you were aside from racing, um, I might be biased and I really, I haven't been there yet, but I really want to go to Lebanon. I heard it's beautiful. My mom has, um, really cool memories from there. So that would be amazing. But I know I love traveling. Like, I also want to say Greece, honestly, everywhere. I just want to go everywhere. I'm the type of person that likes to bounce between places. So I just want to be a world traveler. <laughs> the, the world traveler. I want to, I want to yeah. travel too. Uh, yeah. I'm too young for that. <laughs> as soon as COVID's over, I want to go somewhere cool. I just don't know where yet. I'm going to get through college and then I'm going to travel. I might study abroad. I'm thinking That's about that. Gonna do. Yeah. You yeah. Do it. If I can afford it. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. It's expensive. <laughs> so where can people follow you on social media? Um, I'm on Triller at Tony Breidinger. I'm on Snapchat at Tony Breidinger too. I'm also on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, honestly, kind of like everything. Um, if you type Every in my name, platform. I'll probably pop up. 
Yes, every platform. We hit it all. YouTube too. <laughs> oh, you got a YouTube channel. Are you a vlogger? I'm trying to be. I'm trying. I'm working on it. Um, but yeah, I vlog and I edit my own stuff. So it's a work in progress. <laughs> Expanding the brand. Exactly. <laughs> vlogging. I, I've always thought vlogging was like super funny i when i was in france and belgium i wanted went on a trip with my class um with my french class and i started vlogging as a joke and it just became this super funny like 12 to 15 minute like episodes of mm-hmm. my friends and i walking around and making a fool of ourselves like <laughs> i have three videos of when i was in the louvre with my few of my best friends and it's like I don't know how I acted like that but I vlogging is kind of fun actually I don't like seeing myself like holding up a thing like hey guys what's up but it's fun it's fun to look back on I love looking back at like my old videos but I definitely look I'm sure people think I'm a little whack when I'm vlogging at the racetrack and everyone's like what is she doing yeah, literally. I'm like, hey guys, I'm at the racetrack. Today I'm racing. But yeah, no, they're fun to look back on. 100% love vlogging. You should do it again. <laughs> yeah, when I when I get back to school, maybe. Yeah. Uh, not right now. Now there's nothing. Yeah, yeah, a college student. <laughs> no, I live a very boring life. I have this, I have my job, I have school. That is all. Very boring life. I'm glad that that people who listen to this show don't know me IRL because I'm very boring. I'm very boring. <laughs> no. I don't do much. I'm sure just yourself. I think I'm boring too, so it's okay. <laughs> well, you're a race car driver. There's a difference between <laughs> us. No, not at all. <laughs> There's just a, a tiny difference. Tiny. Just different career paths, but. Yeah. You're a racer. I work for a baseball team. Nah. <laughs> nah. Anyway, I'm going to wrap up the show. Is there anything that you would like to shout out? Um, I'll just shout out Triller one more time. This past weekend was really a dream come true um, to have them on the car and to race for um, the team that I was on and to have Toyota with me too. So um, it was a really big dream come true and I wouldn't have been able to do it without Triller. So big shout out to them. Shout out Triller. You're the second person on this show that's been associated with Triller somehow. So maybe they should call me. Yes. (laughs) You should get on Triller if you're not on it already. I use TikTok barely. I use TikTok barely. I'm not a big like user of TikTok. Yeah. I'll switch over to the TV. other T app. Yes, exactly. Triller, Team Triller over here. Go download Triller, I guess. Not sponsored yeah. <laughs> for me. For her, not for me. <laughs> but um, anyway, time to wrap up the show. Here's my beautiful little spiel. You can follow me on social media, everyone. But you can follow Tony. But I follow the both of us. In fact boost our followers. In fact, here's something new that's happened. Over the weekend, I hit 100 followers on Twitter. I've been doing this a year and I finally hit a a milestone. I was like, 
Congrats. I never expected that kind of thing. Like, I know it's a small little thing, but we are growing. We are growing. So if you aren't following me or Tony, go ahead. I'm going to link both of our socials down below in the description. But in case you want to hear what mine is, I'm going to go ahead and list it. You can follow me on Instagram at Woman Sports Matter, on Twitter at WSM Podcast. And that is the same for Facebook as well. I have a YouTube channel trying to start that back up again. It's just called the Women Sports Matter Podcast. And that's, I think that's all my social media. Time to do the rest of my stuff. If you haven't gotten vaccinated yet, I'm not saying that you absolutely should. I'm just suggesting it nicely. I'm not yelling at you. I'm just suggesting it very, very nicely. I have a link down below. Type in your zip code if you live in the U.S. Find out where the nearest vaccination site is for you. I also have a link to go register to vote if you haven't done that yet, which again, I'm suggesting nicely. Maybe you should go ahead and register to vote. And if my friend Gerald is listening to this, Gerald, I'm telling you to go vote as a registered to vote. He didn't vote in the election last year. Shame on him. Yeah. Thumbs down for Gerald. I'm going to text him later about this. He's going to send me an emoji, the face palm one, because he doesn't like when I talk about him on my show. <laughs> <laughs> um let's see what else is there follow me on socials subscribe to the podcast follow me on spotify i'm basically everywhere not anchor anymore sorry for all the people that listen on anchor or used to i'm not there anymore i use red circle now so that's a thing uh follow me on spotify subscribe everywhere else and give me a rating on apple podcasts i have nothing else to say tony would you like to add anything before we sign off um, I appreciate you guys for listening. Um, and yeah, make sure you follow on everything. Follow us. us. We yes. deserve it. <laughs> We're breaking <laughs> barriers within the sports world. That's the yes. least you could do, guys. Come on. You can do it. <laughs> this is peer pressure. The, the best <laughs> kind of peer pressure there is. Uh, again, this is the Women's Sports Matter Podcast. I'm your host, Gianna Belcastro. Thank you so much again for listening. That's all, folks. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.